You're listening to Alcoholics Alive. All of our hosts and guests are members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but they do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor are they compensated in any way. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Well, Shank, all the votes are in. And the term good orderly direction and group of drunks has been scrapped. Sorry, Otis. Otis, we we still love you, buddy, but um, the people have spoken. So we are, (laughs) uh, as Shank would say, it is out out of here. <laughs> all right all right hey good to be with everybody today we know just a reminder that we um we're members of alcoholics anonymous but we don't speak for alcoholics anonymous and none of us get paid to be here we're uh we're just here to share our experience on how the 12 steps and alcoholics anonymous have helped us to maintain sobriety and we like talking about how to practice the principles of aa as a way of life so that's uh that's why we're here hopefully you can get something out of it we uh we do have a uh a guest today. We've we're calling him, I don't even think he may not know it yet, but we're calling him Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew. <laughs> Dr. Drew. Now this the is doctor. not you'll have to if you know Dr. Drew from TV, this may or may not be him. That's gonna be up for y'all to <laughs> uh to to decide. But um we'll see what happens. Shank, what is uh What's our topic today? Well, today we're just moving right along. Our topic is step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, I guess we're supposed to introduce the guests first. Sorry about that. I, you know, I get off track. You, we got good instructions here on what to do, but uh, we're, uh, so Dr. Drew, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Hey, good morning. I'm Drew. I'm an alcoholic and I'm grateful to be here today. My sobriety date is March 20th, 2016. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, a guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, hold on. So hold on a second. <laughs> Sorry oh, to Lord. do this, but I, so your sobriety go. is 2016. So Shank has been sober longer than you, Dr. Drew, which <laughs> for purposes of this just means that for this episode, she's not the baby. I know she wants to be, but I do. You're not the baby on this episode. Dr. Drew is. Go ahead, Dr. Drew. Yeah. Finish. I was listening to uh to Gigi's podcast and as soon as I heard her sobriety date, I thought, yep, I'm gonna be the baby for once and <laughs> Shank's gonna feel great about herself. So I'm ready for all that shank wisdom today. That's for oh, sure. Oh, Lord. yes. That's <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. okay. Get ready. Take good notes. And uh, yeah. 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 So um, I, I got to, I guess it was sometime around 15, 16 years old. I was just, just full of fear. I remember just being gripped when talking in front of folks, uh, going to any sort of social environment and, and I found alcohol and, and that was the solution for me. I just, I loved it. I was uh, just, I thought it was fun to be around the life of the party. I was taller, I was funnier, all that kind of good stuff. And, and, um, and it became part of my identity. And, and for a long time, it was fun. 
you know, I've heard that, uh, you know, my, my worst days sober are still better than my, uh, my best days out there. And, and that never rang true for me. I've heard that from some other guy before, but, um, for, for me, certainly I had a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good days out there. It was a lot of fun until it wasn't. And, and, uh, you know, joined the army thinking that would fix me. Uh, that didn't do it. Uh, actually somehow managed to, to actually finish med school and, and start my residency training through the army in Washington, DC. And, um, and that's when it got worse. I was looking around and saw all these folks that, uh, that had families and, and went home and just were normal folks woke up and came to work on time, you know, and, you know, we got all these, these aren't these military values and, and they, uh, from, from what it looked like on the outside, were living those values. And I, I wanted to, but I just, I could not align my actions with, with all my intentions. And so what that eventually looked like was, uh, not making it to work on time. That was kind of my, uh, my repeat offense. <laughs> I was supposed to be there at 6 a.m. and I'd be waking up at 9, 10 in the morning after, uh, after a long night. <laughs> and uh, I have to come up with some crazy excuse as to why I was not at work uh, on time. And uh, whether it was falling on the sidewalk in front of a, a different ER and walking inside and telling the folks that I got hit by a car and they're like, you got a little scrape on your elbow, man, you you're, you need to get home and, and you're just, you're a little out there uh, all the way to, you know, the, my, kind of the last hurrah was um, woke up late and I, I decided that I needed to stage a fire inside my apartment <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my way of getting out of jail and getting making it another day. And so I built a little fire ring in my apartment, lit a shoe on fire, and then called 911 and, and acted like I was passed out in my bed. And uh, it started smoking up in my apartment in, in Georgetown. And the, the police, the fire fire truck and EMS arrived, and they're like, what's going on? And and I was like, well, I had a seizure, you know, and, but now I'm awake and I'm talking to you and there's this fire inside my, in, inside my apartment. And, um, and then that was just one more day, just trying to make it that, that next day, you know, I was showing up to work, uh, drunk, showing up to the operating room, shaking. And, and I do, uh, surgery that's kind of magnified on a screen and uh that that shaking is uh not a good look and quite apparent to everybody uh in the operating room and um you know eventually I I didn't show up to work one Monday just thinking that they wouldn't notice me once again and the next day on Tuesday I arrived and there was an intervention stage for me uh by my uh my commanding officer, the hospital commander, and um, and they said, "What's going on?" And uh, and even in that moment, I I would not come forward and just say, "Hey, this is this is my problem." You know, I need help. I I down. I said, "Oh, I'm burned out, and I'm just stressed, <laughs> just so stressed that I can't make it to work most of the time. Uh, I'm showing up, you know, drunk and." Um, and and thank God they said, you know, you can you can either accept some help, try to get sober or you can go to federal prison at Fort Leavenworth. And and that de that decision was difficult in that moment for me because I thought, you know, <laughs> you I, wouldn't have I'm made a, it, Drew, Dr. Drew. 
That would not have been good for you, pal. Shank, they didn't give um, you an option, did they? They did not. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, I'm a kind of guy, I can't get sober. There's just, there's no, I'm hopeless, absolutely hopeless. And, um, you know, thank God I, I, I got the kitchen, the kitchen sink thrown at me, which was a, you know, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, an addiction therapist. And you made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did. (laughs) Good choice. Um, (laughs) Proud of you. And, uh, you know, they're all saying you, you need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, every one of them. And, and, my my grandfather had gotten sober through AA back in the seventies, actually in Atlanta. And, um, but I didn't hear about that part of his life. I heard about all the horrible things he did to my grandmother, you know, my dad's childhood growing up, which was so awful. And so to me that just, I don't, I didn't want to be like him. I couldn't accept the fact that I was, I had turned out to be that guy, you know, that, that, that horrible uh, character. And, um, you know, I showed up, just like they said, I showed up to Alcoholics Anonymous with a with a big book that I bought online, and uh, I I was determined that uh, I was going to go through this book myself, and uh, and I was going to fix myself, and I'd show up and and check off the box and go to these meetings. But uh, you know, thank God this guy walked up to me and said, "Hey, you're going to need somebody to help you go through that book," and uh, so that was that's kind of how it all started. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, my experience, um, with the fifth step, um, you know, I, um, when I got there, I, I, I was not, uh, completely honest and, um, no way. I, I think we, yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I, uh, my dad always said, if you can't find a, a good example, Find a bad one and learn from it. So I hope I have some uh, some <laughs> a good, uh, some some uh, good information to some share with us. Wisdom today. in there, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you bought your own book online? I did from Amazon yeah. or GSO or what? From Amazon. Well, I hope you're good. I hope you clean that up. <laughs> yeah, about that. yeah, yeah. Did you try to work the steps by yourself out of it? I, I read, uh, I read the steps and, and, you know, I thought that I could, I really thought that I could do this myself. I was, I was completely determined. And so when that because guy you're asked smart, me, you know, yeah, you know, so you had, you, know, you had the, the book. What else oh, do you yeah. need? Yeah. You have I the basic out, text. That's right. Mm-hmm. I checked out that first meeting location and I found out that, that Abraham Lincoln had worshipped at that church back in the 18 whatever. And so I was like, well, you know what? This is the perfect location. For of me. course. Yeah. Yeah. My my ego was in check already. So no. that's where the AA meeting was at. Was that the same church that Abraham Lincoln went to? Yeah. Oh, and that made it that. Probably pretty critical information to know while you're going to the AA meeting is, you know, <laughs> historically who has attended that church. I like that. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Abraham ever did a confession in that church. Or if he just like <laughs> went there one time. Yeah. So when yeah. you got to when you got to step five, you start working with the sponsor eventually, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And you get to step five. What was that like for you as someone who kind of maybe thought that you had it figured out or that you could do it alone? Was it a challenge when you got to the fifth step to actually share with someone? 
it was really uh, difficult for me. You know, I had written, actually, I, I know in previous podcasts, y'all have talked about doing a four step on, on, on the uh, computer. Mine was all on computer. Nice. Pure Excel. I uh, had lots of, uh, lots of paperweight printed documents for that. And, um, and, and, you know, I started going through the fifth step and, and, um, like it says in, in the, in the 12 and 12 there, you know, we, uh, when drinking, we were sometimes bad actors, you know, I, you know, I did this, I did a little bit of that, um, you know, then for good measure, we add dramatic descriptions of that part of our drinking behavior, which our friends probably know about anyway. You know, I added a little bit of, you know, uh, spice mm. to the story, but, but I, I, I could not get out the, the one or two things that, that I, I knew I needed to get out and, and I just didn't. Um, and I was terrified that, that this guy would not like me, that it was just so bad that he was going to say, you know what, we can't help you here. And, um, and it says in the book that, you know, they've seen this time and time before that the newcomer shows up and, and doesn't share those, um, those missteps in the past and, and they can't get sober. And, and I, and at the end of the discussion, he asked me, he said, is there anything else that you want to share with me? And I said, no, that's it. And, and I closed the door on, on that, uh, on the step five without talking about those things that I knew I needed to. And, and I, and I, and I didn't, I didn't get that nearness to my, my creator, uh, that it describes in the book. Um, and I, I went on with the rest of the steps and, um, somehow stayed sober, but, but it was, I was sober two years when I I was, uh, transferred from Washington DC down in North Carolina. And that's first sponsor just told me, he's like, you need to get a new sponsor. You need to work the steps again. And, uh, I got a new sponsor and, and I was determined to talk about those things finally. And, and I did, and it was, uh, life-changing. So let me get this straight. Okay. You did your fourth step on an Excel sheet, you know, which, uh, I don't know the, the book doesn't say to do it on Excel, and then you were not honest in your fifth step and you were able to stay sober. So, I mean, yeah, I think that yeah. that's amazing. And I think, yep. you know, part of what we try to do on this is just talk about things that we've done, you know, that aren't in the book or, you know, that we just went off on our own little voyage here. But somehow, like, it seems to me, people that I know that I respect, and I certainly respect you and your sobriety, it's like, we can talk about these things and say, yeah, but the solution was to go back to the book and do it the way it says to do it. Like, you didn't have to drink and come back. Uh, mm -hmm. Eventually, at some point, you were at that kind of jumping off place again of, oh, my gosh, I really have to get honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love I that. Yeah, I I uh, I was thinking yesterday in my in my home group here we were talking about how it works and and half measures availed us nothing. Was that just a little bit more than half that, that, that <laughs> yeah. got me? <laughs> was it just a little bit more? I don't know. <laughs> Must have been just a little bit more. Just a little yeah. bit more. That's kind of what I was thinking. So you, I mean, you hear that you hear those stories a lot, and most people don't stay sober. Yeah. When they write it, they're not completely honest. So you, yeah, maybe you were 75% instead of half. And it, was just, <laughs> it was just enough to, to get you going those, 
through this. Well, maybe you admitted it to God and to yourself, just not another human being, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Got that 75, 25 going on. Yeah. Yeah. It also says in there that we got to admit it to another. If we admit it to another human being, we know that we've admitted it to ourselves and to God. Yeah. That's kind mm-hmm. of the the, uh, the 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 acid test there that I did not pass. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Wayne, well, tell me about your first kind of fifth step. I want to hear about yours. Well, my first fifth step was scary. <laughs> Everything I've done has been scary. It seems like the first time. It was probably not as scary as doing the ninth step, but. Um, I was like, I mean, I was, I was afraid to disclose that stuff to another human being, but I believed what it said in the book that if we skip the vital step, that we may not stay sober. It was actually one of the, excuse me, that was actually pointed out to me by another A member that that's kind of a promise that, Hey, if you skip the step that you may not make it. So I, I did not want to go back to the way I was living. So I, I mean, I did. I did the fifth step. I, I think I was, I've said five weeks. I think I was sober more like four weeks when I actually did it. And here's an interesting tip or not a tip, but fact is that I did not do it with my sponsor. Whoa. So I know we were going to maybe talk a little bit about that in in the episode, but yes, it was a, it was another, it was another AA member, but it was a guy that I, I did not know. And he was similar uh, in experience and age as I was. Well, he was he was older than me, but he had gotten sober around the same age I had and had done some similar things. So I, he, he was basically selected for me by somebody else. And they said, this is who you're going to do your fist up with. And I did. I mean, I... I mean, I had a written fourth step and I went through it with the guy and it was, we talked a little bit about this on the, in the last episode in the fourth step, but it got at resentments and some factual things that I had done to people, but it was, it was also a lot about feelings and how I felt about <laughs> people. And he, he gave me a little bit of, of kind of lead way to do that. Um, but I was as honest as I could be at the time. I guess I was. And I, I, I remember, um, he shared some stuff that he had done, you know, right up to right at the very beginning, he had shared a few things that he did that were, you know, that we always talk about or that we're always, I guess, scared to talk about. And it's typically has to do with either sex money or, you know, a family member or something like that. And he had, he had done a few things that I had done that made me feel a little more comfortable a little more comfortable and I don't know I just laid it out to him and it was not it I think this was something else we were going it it was about two hours I mean it it was not it was not uh a, a you know a very real long discussion but it it may have been a little over two hours and I got done and he told me to go back and sit quiet for a little while and pray. And so that's what I did. 
I, um, so what did your sponsor so, think about that? Was he, was he upset? Was he peeved? Was he like, how dare you? I can't believe you didn't let me hear your fist. Oh no, no, it drink. was, um, no, it was nothing like that. It was, it's, it was more about, Hey, do it. And it doesn't, I mean, I've always been told it doesn't matter who you do it with. The key, the key is to mm-hmm. do it. And if we, the, the book even says that, I mean, it says you can, you should be careful who you select and it can be a close friend. It could be a family member. It could be a doctor. It could be a, you know, a, a, somebody in an ordained religion. Um, it, it, um, at that time it was, it was, it was not unusual for an individual to do a fist step with somebody that was not their sponsor. It was not unusual for them to do it with, a a priest or a minister um you you didn't see so much anybody doing it with like a counselor or 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 a therapist like you do today um but it was not it was not unusual and nobody i don't remember anyone ever saying man i can't believe you didn't do it with your sponsor or i can't you know you did it wrong so i mean i think we've so we've already got like two examples between me and dr drew of where in today's AA, they, it's like people like think it's a requirement that you do it with your sponsor. And I'm not saying that it's not a good idea to do it with your sponsor. In most cases, that is probably the preferred method nowadays, nowadays but it doesn't matter. The key is to do a confession and get it over with. And Shank, I think you've got a similar experience. You Didn't you do your some of yours piecemeal with people or something like that? I did. Um, Concrete and You know, I remember in those couple of months, what? In the first couple of months, I did (laughs) kind of get to the fifth step with the sponsor, but we really didn't have a ton of time to discuss it. So I started over on the steps when I got to prison. I was pretty angry about that. Um, And I had to start over. And so I started over. And then when I got to, you know, I mean, similar to doc here i had i read ahead in the book and i kind of i had an idea of what i was able going to be able to do and what i wasn't so i was like yeah of course i'm willing of course because i'm not really going to be able to do this anyway like i just knew i wasn't going to be able to do a fifth step i knew i wasn't going to be able to like do eight and nine i wasn't going to sponsor anyone i'm like yes i'm willing to do all of this and when my sponsor um, told me, or maybe it was, I consider there were probably like five or six women that were writing with me. So I just use all of them interchangeably, but someone told me like, Hey, um, yeah, you are going to do a fifth step. Like if you don't want to do it over the phone or you don't want to do it through the mail, like, I guess that's up to you, but you need to find someone in there to discuss these things with. And I just could not imagine talking to, all of my roommates about all of these things, you know, I'm like, what if they use it against me? You don't understand. Um, This is cutthroat where I'm living. You know, I can't tell them that things I've lied about or things I've done, they will use it against me. And I was just told like, Hey, if you want to, if you want to be sober more than you want to get drunk, you'll find a way and you'll do it. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And you know, similar, I guess, to my third step experience where I found out that girl had been doing meth. There were a lot of, there were a lot of people that would show up to the AA meeting just to see their girlfriend who lived in a different quad because the grounds were closed. Mm -hmm. And 
some of those women would show up for a month and, you know, I may hear them discuss something or talk about something and I'll be like, okay, like she has experience like I do. And it wasn't even necessarily someone that, that I believed I was very judgmental that I believed wanted to be sober or that I believed was doing things the right way or that I believed wanted to be at the AA meeting. And I was just told like, Hey, you'll be willing to go to any links or you won't. And so I did that. And you know what? No one ever used any of that against me. They just thought that I was, you know, carrying around my little blue book. was doing right. it, trying to do something different than they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it just was not sense. the biggest deal. And I did read that part in there where it said, you know, we, we think, well, before we choose this person to do this confidential step with. And I mean, I use that. I really tried. I was like, I mean, it says right here, you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, but I definitely didn't want to go to the prison chaplain. So I was like, okay, I guess one of you ladies will work. Yeah. So there's another example of where it's, you know, probably wasn't a traditional way to do it as we would call it nowadays, but it worked. And I think the, probably the key there is the willingness and kind of what's, what's in our heart, what we're trying to do. So, so in the book, it, one of the sentences that I like, it says, we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, Dr. Drew, on, I know this is like speculation, but those two years you were sober when you were kind of withholding a few things, what do you think would have happened if you hadn't eventually gotten honest? Well, you know, I, I threw myself into work and, and I, I really... um that was kind of my main focus was staying doing the steps uh obviously with with somewhat of half measures and and getting through it and and trying to uh just stay afloat at work um but i you know i i think eventually i i it was it was eating at me you know and, and it really did block me off from it says in there block blocks me blocks me off from god and from others as well mm-hmm. and i didn't i don't have i didn't leave washington dc with a lot of close aa friends like i did when i left north carolina i think that's a big difference kind of in my experience is that you know had i asked god and really been honest about this to remove these things i think i would have been able to really open up with folks you know in that area but i was pretty closed off you know i went to my home group I didn't do, I had a service position, but I, I really didn't do much more than that. I didn't hang out with folks, you know, outside of the meeting a whole lot. And so I was pretty isolated. And, you know, in the end, I realized I did that to myself by by not being fully honest. And, and my the quality of my sobriety took on a, a whole other level when I was moved down to North Carolina. I think God just intervene on my life and said, Hey, you know what? You're running, we're going to help you out here. And, and, and that completely changed the course of my sobriety. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that, but um, you know, it's, it's, it takes being completely honest. And I, and I, I just could, I didn't do it. You know, I, I probably could have, but it, it says in this step that it's, it takes a lot of willingness to do this step. Yeah. And uh, I just, I just wasn't completely willing. So since being completely honest, have you been able to kind of help some other guys 
with that exact issue. That's what I found is like, after I was honest about things, it just like freed me up to be helpful to more people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, it's, it, it's, that's so true. And I, I can, I I start the fifth step with other guys just saying, Hey, this is, this was my experience. I didn't lay it all out there at the beginning. And I suffered as a result of that. I didn't drink, um, but it, I didn't have a, a great first two years of sobriety. Um, and that was my own doing. So, you know, these were, these were the things that I just couldn't say to, to another man. And, and now it's like, it's, it's just not that big of a deal, mm-hmm. especially when I shared and when I got down to North Carolina, it's like, okay, those things they were eating at me did not need to be eating at me. And um, yeah, I think that's been, it's, it's been, God has used that as an, as an asset for other men now. It's awesome how that stuff shifts because when we first get here, some of those things we've done, I mean, we, it, it just seems like the worst stuff in the world and, you know, it's embarrassing and, you know, scary to, to even think about it much less share it with somebody else. And I mean, I look back at all that stuff now and it's like, some of it is just comical. Mm-hmm. And I probably would be willing to overshare it with some people if they wanted to hear it. Um, Absolutely. But, I have to catch myself, you know, because yeah. I'm in a client-based business and sometimes people yeah. say things to me and I just like almost like really yeah. out there for yeah. some normie. Yeah. But it really does go from a liability to being a, to an asset. Like it, yeah. you know, when you're able to share that stuff with somebody that that's new or that's getting ready to do their fifth step, it, it can really help shift their, their perspective on stuff and give them a, a, just enough trust and enough kind of courage to, to disclose that stuff themselves. Absolutely. Maybe it was just God's will for you to hang on to that. So you can help well, people that's right. later on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who, yeah who knows? So, so on today, helping people or sponsoring people do, since we, since we all three have a little same experience, do, I mean, do you suggest that people that you sponsor do their fists up with you? Do you give them the option? Do you read the book and tell them that they can pick multiple people? What, what's, uh. Anybody got any experience with that? I'm curious. I can tell you that even, um, so when I sponsor women, I do say like, if there is someone else that you've heard that has experience with a specific thing and you would rather talk to them about that, then that's great. Um, yeah, sure. Like hearing a fist up brings me closer to that person generally, but it's not therapy. I'm not giving you like, you know, a a list of things to do or not to do, or it's a confession. And I know that a lot of women I have sponsored in the past don't like that. I'm like, you can share everything with me, but if you're not comfortable, you need to be honest with someone. And if it's not me, that's fine. And that I think a lot of times that's just viewed as me being unwilling to hear it. And that's, you know, I probably come across that way if I really look at it, but, um, that's not the intention. It's just, please get honest, completely honest about what's going on. Yeah. Do you, um, so do you take notes? Like when people are doing a fist step and you you take notes and write out stuff and then give them them a list of their, their, okay. 
No. And and sometimes people do get like some women I've sponsored just get a little offended that I don't remember the exact thing. And it's not that I don't care. I genuinely, genuinely love these women and feel like I get closer to them and have a strong bond, but I'm not trying to remember every horrible thing you've ever done either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Drew, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I go through the book and, um, you know, clearly states they can discuss it with whoever, but, um, just try to emphasize that, you know, I've, I've done, I've done what it says not to do. And, and, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't come out well. And, um, you know, just to talk a little bit more about that, you know, I, I, even when I got down to North Carolina, I was still, uh, in this mindset of living a double life. It talks about it in this, in these uh, few pages that, you know, I, I, I always wanted to present the good stuff to every, everybody else, but internally, you know, I was doing, I was living a different way. And, and I think holding on to the, that, those kinds of things led me down a path where, you know, it, it, it four or five years sober, I, I was still doing stuff that I wasn't proud of. And, um, and, and quite honestly, I didn't discuss with my, with my sponsor and it blew up with my wife and, um, <laughs> something that didn't need to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's thinking back, it's relatively trivial. Um, I'll just discuss it. Wasn't I was trivial to her. Ba- no, it wasn't. I was closet vaping. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah, remember it sounds so sounds so <laughs> silly now but it was like you know I knew it, I, I knew it wasn't right like mm-hmm. I I know that I'm driving down to work you know vaping and I'm like this is not right my sponsor has no idea nobody has any idea and this is just <laughs> how I lived my life for so long is it like you know, I just couldn't, if you attach a GoPro to me, like you got to turn that off in certain times of the day, because like, I'm not proud of how I live, Right. Yeah. you know, and I'm doing the same thing. And like, you know, the, the steps have allowed me the, the opportunity to, to really live a decent life when nobody's watching, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I, here I am four or five years sober, still doing these kinds of things. And so then it blows up and I'm like, man, you know, this is silly, but it's, it's not even the act of what I'm doing. It's just, it's the hiding, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's what's so wrong here. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I learned a lot from that experience too, but here I am like four or five years sober, like, good grief. What are you doing, man? And, mm-hmm. um, and you know what, uh, you know, I hope, uh, hope that can help somebody someday, but yeah, this, I've, I've learned a lot from, from the fifth step and, and honesty, just, just slowly, slowly becoming completely honest. Well, I think that's a great example that we don't do the steps and then just become perfect, white as snow, never going to make a mistake again, you know, because I'm certainly guilty of like looking at people like, oh my gosh, well, you're sober. Why are you doing that? Um, I've certainly done that, you know, and I've certainly done things like you're describing. I mean, not vaping, but I'm sure there's something, you know, I've done and kind of lied about or not been completely honest about. And that's why I love Alcoholics Anonymous is because yeah. you all help me get to the point where I can be honest about things that maybe I'm ashamed of. Yep. Yeah. I wish mine was just vaping. I was stealing money from work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yep. Yeah. Live, living awesome. a double life. Just like you said, just like the, the book talks about in the fifth step and you can't. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think I could have sustained that, you know, violating 
principles and being dishonest over a period of time, I think the, the, the you get sick and that obsession probably would come back to where a drink would look good. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's why it's important to, to, to be in the, as we say in the middle, or at least, you know, be involved in the, the program doesn't make us perfect. Um, but if we don't stay involved and we do those imperfect things, we're probably going to go back to drinking. So how long should a fifth step be? How many hours, how many days, how many weeks? Well, (laughs) you've got some experience with those long ones, Shank. I can tell. I do. Yes. Doctor, you got any, uh, input on that one lay it on us I, I, i've listened to, to to one that was a three-part uh back to back to back two-hour nightly sessions that you know coming home from work i was drained listening to this <laughs> and um you know I, I i i just did my best to sit there and 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 listen and and you know discuss things and um, I don't know what the right length is. It wasn't, that's, that wasn't, I I didn't do it perfectly the first time. So who knows, you know, maybe mine was going to be that long, but, um, I don't know. What do y'all think? Shank? Bebot? Shank? Oh, well, I'll, I'll go. So, I mean, the book doesn't say any specific time frame. I, I do appreciate if you, this would be one way to answer the question. If you read some of the <clears throat> the earlier stories in the book, and even like Bill Wilson, who did his confession while he was in the hospital, I mean, it, it implies that in his story in like an afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. Bill Dotson, if you read his story, it's called Alcoholics Anonymous Number Three. He did his in the hospital with Bill and Bob, and they even kind of helped him do what we would call an eight-step list while he was in the hospital. And the the story I like the best about this is that uh, he sold himself short. That was I think Earl Three, the guy that started A in Chicago, but he says in his story that he sat down with Doctor Bob and in two or three hours. They worked the first eight steps, what we would call the eight steps. They didn't have the eight steps then. And so I've listened to a lot of fifth steps. It would probably boggle your mind if you knew how many fifth steps I've listened to. And almost, we don't, I know we don't take records, but I can just tell you from, from, from experience that, most of the, the the most honest fifth steps that I've ever heard and people that have stayed sober after that fifth step, almost all of them were two to three hours long. And, and I've listened to some that were eight hours. I listened to some that we had to come back the next day. Um, I don't think any of those folks are sober. Not, I mean, not that that's any kind of gauge for anything, but if if you if you if you're going to be honest and just get to the point cut right to the chase of your selfishness and your self-centeredness and your fear it it doesn't take that long so i mean that's just but but now people will hear we're telling people to only do 2 or 3 hours if somebody goes longer i'm not going to shut them down 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I may try to gear them a little differently or say, hey, I think we've kind of covered that. Let's move on. But I mean, if somebody legitimately needs to take a long time, I'll let them. But I, I, it's not always necessary. Shank, what do you have? You got any experience with? Well, listen, I have yeah. done the steps a lot of different ways. You know, like I've done all the steps in a day. I've done all the steps in a weekend. I've done the steps sitting down with the sponsor for an hour every single week. I've um, done the steps in a workbook. I've, I have done a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, when I did a fifth step kind of piecemeal with different people out of necessity, I really thought that I had missed out on something. And when I got out of prison, it was just people were talking about, yeah, I sit down face to face with my sponsor and we take however long. And so I did that. And listen, I've given a six hour fifth step, you know, where it was just like everything I could ever possibly think of. Sure. Just even things that I had already cleaned up, I put them back on the list because I have a new sponsor and I want to be thorough. And, you know, to me, it can all be summed up in a couple hours. And I think it's probably because of doing all of those different things that I realized that where it's like, you know, at some point I'm just kind of like not making things up. But just putting so much stuff on that I know, I know. I'm like, I don't need to write this down. Like, I've already said this and about 20 other people. I've said this exact thing. The exact nature is I'm a liar. And, you know, I want to either embellish or I don't want to talk about what's actually going on. So I make up a lie about something else that sounds a little worse or a little better. And, um, you know, so I don't know that there's a right answer, but... I do know that hearing fifth steps kind of trying to redirect people a little bit. Um, they don't take to it too well, generally. No, Which they don't. once again could, could be, I don't know, the way I'm saying it, the way that I'm directing it. I know that I probably have a mistake in that, but yeah, um, yeah I've heard a lot of six, eight, 10 hour fifth steps yeah. and it is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot, like five to six hours. Those are those are fine. That's if, especially if it's their first one. But if if it gets much over that, it's 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 a lot of regurgitation. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too, like making that point because the point was made to me. Like, well, this looks like, and there was someone taking notes, you know, when I did a fista, and it was like, you know, another tally mark on the dishonesty and it was another tally mark on this. And that, and I, at some point, even I was like, you know, okay, we don't really need to go through the yeah. rest of this. Right. Like, yeah, this is beating a dead horse for sure. Yeah. I've actually sat down with some people before and then more than one occasion, they're like, uh, are you going to take notes? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to take notes. <laughs> this goes into your permanent record. I mean, yeah. What do you, I mean, what do you want me to do? Yeah. I don't think there's any wrong answer, but I certainly believe today that, you know, I don't try to cut anyone off, but I will kind of try to just, you know, like um, Gigi said last podcast that her sponsor said 18 words, you know, or less. And it's kind of like, 
19. 19. I understand that as this is not the story of your life. This is not everyone involved in your resentment. It is just like, can we get a couple sentences here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I even, you know, know a lot of real old timers in AA that, well, some of them have recently passed, but a lot that um, are, you know, well-respected and the folks that I, that I look up to, and all of them will tell you that the their fourth and fifth steps were um, very, uh, I guess, sh- short and sweet and to the point. I mean, none of them. I mean, one of one of my one of the my biggest heroes in the world, and you know, has been a, like a pioneer in A for the last almost seventy years. He's dead now, but you know, he he his fourth step was three pages. And he found an inmate on the yard that he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And he talked to him for about an hour or two. And the dude made a wide impact in the world. And if that would work 68 years ago, it'll work today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that same concept. So what about the hour afterwards? Any, any, um, so in the book, it talks about, well, it talks about we pocket our pride and we, basically illuminate stuff inside of us for shining the light on that darkness that's inside of us. And then when we're done with the, the first fifth step or that fifth step, it says we should go home. I love, it says, take this book down from our shelf. So he's, he's like mm-hmm. thinking you got a book on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know people who have actually like left the book on the shelf why they're doing their fist up so they can go back and pull the book off the shelf. Mm. I mean, that's might be a little too literal for me, but right at one hour. Damn right. Yes. At, yeah. So it says no more, quiet. no less. That's right. Get a timer. Oh, I know people with timers. Hey, nothing wrong with that. It, it, <laughs> that's unnecessary, <laughs> but it does say sit quiet for an hour and think about what you've done and ask if the, 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 what if you put mortar in the or sand in the mortar and all that? Um, any thoughts on that? I think I that that if... taught me a little bit about meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Drew, you on your first one, you didn't do it or you may have done it, but you just knew you were holding on to stuff, right? Yeah. That, that first hour after it didn't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking I'm doomed. I'm not going to make it. This is, uh, I can't go back now. I can't possibly go back and say, Hey, you know what? I need to discuss this, this. Uh, I just thought it was all over and uh, it was completely different the second time uh, with my new new sponsor in North Carolina to say, Hey, this is, I needed to get this out and, and to say those things. It's like, wow. You know, that's, that's kind of what I've been looking for for the last couple of years. So yeah, that, that that first hour afterwards felt a lot better the second time. Yeah. I know when I did my first one, I did, I mean, I sat quiet for for a while. I don't know if it was an hour or not, but I did think about what I did. And it was, I did have like the experience of, it was like the first thing that I had ever like accomplished. Not that, not that I was done or that I, you know, had done any big deal, but 
like we say a lot, I'm a good starter on stuff, but I rarely ever finish anything, right? I'll start mm-hmm. stuff and then move on to other things. And when I got done with that fifth step and was sitting quiet, it was like, I kind of felt like I had was maybe a member of AA and like I had finally, you know, actually done something that was halfway decent in my life. And, and so it was a, it was a pretty powerful experience for me. What else, Shank? I think that it really did teach me a lot about meditation. You know, of course, when I was in prison, I was just like, nowhere is quiet. You know, this Mm -hmm. isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. You know, but um, I was able to, to be still and be quiet. Yeah. You know, and so it really did teach me a lot about just kind of reflecting on, on things that I had done. Yeah. Um, and being with God in that moment, I think. Yeah. yeah. I so think I think it's I, a vital step, you know, and very important in the fifth step. Mm-hmm. You do kind of feel, I mean, like the book says, I know I did feel closer to, to God. Um, I don't know if I had like this powerful spiritual experience, but I, I did, you know, like I said, I felt like I'd done something good and I felt closer to God. And I think it really was actually writing some of it down in the fourth step. I started to become free from it, but when I shared it, I did start, you know, looking back on it, I did start having this feeling of freedom mm-hmm. and, um, and I was still worried about having to make amends. I'm not going to lie about that but I had this a little bit of a sense of freedom and that maybe I could stay, you know, could live life sober. Didn't have to go back to all that stuff. And the guy did tell me that, Hey, you know what? You never have to repeat any of that stuff again, yeah. which was now I, I did repeat some of it again, but um, yeah. it it was comforting to, to kind of know that, that that was, mm-hmm. that's behind you. You know, you're eventually going to be able to use that to help somebody it was, was pretty powerful. Love it. Yeah. It was powerful. All right, cl- Jerry. Well, we close to shrapnel. I think we're, I or- think we're approaching shrapnel. Yeah. <laughs> you ready, Doc? I'm ready, Doctor Drew. You ready for shrapnel? I'm ready. <laughs> What's our first one, Shank? Our first meeting shrapnel is your ego is not your amigo. so uh, we do have some meeting shrapnel that's very popular and you hear it a lot and we do have some that we've started to kind of um include that are may not that may not be quite as popular things that you hear a lot but this one here is probably one that not everybody has heard or maybe you have what do you think about that one, Doc? Your ego is not your amigo. Have you ever heard it? <laughs> I have not heard that one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the in Atlanta area now, and uh, that's that's a new one to me. I know the book um, does not have anything. Uh, Twelve and Twelve mentions, mentions ego a lot more, especially the step uh, fifth step, talking about ego deflation. Uh, not not a whole lot is good said about it, but. Um, so I don't think I'll ever be using it, but, uh, <laughs> but 
But uh, yeah, not a lot of good things. We're, we're trying to get push. We're trying to get rid of the ego here, ego deflation. So I'm not a fan. I'm, I, I, I get the uh, the phrase, but I, I won't be using it. So Shane, Aww, what, man. <laughs> so what is it saying that I guess your your ego is not your friend? Yeah, Shane, is that what it's saying? I would assume so. <laughs> Just you know, don't listen to your your friend your ego don't listen to that little Susie voice in your head that says it's okay to steal out of the seventh tradition basket well that's right <laughs> so it's an accurate statement then right your ego oh is not- for sure of course it's an accurate <laughs> statement you know like i don't need to be doing anything based on ego truthfully that doesn't mean i never do but right have you ever heard anybody say it I have. Yeah. I sure have. And when that person says it, whoever says it, I believe it to be true as they say it. Right. I'm like, that is a true statement. I don't yeah. know that it's that helpful. It's it's probably not that helpful. It's just, it's, it's prop to me. It's one of the goofiest sounding ones that we've, that we've brought up. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. You know, and you could see one of those slogan slingers in their talk just, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah you've seen them slogans nice. we, well we you know yeah right uh, you know a couple of them right uh-huh. off the top of your head um yeah but you could you could see this would be one that they would definitely throw into their share ego oh, for is sure. not your amigo for sure yeah so, scrap it scrap it doctor scrap it Shank. It's out of here. All right. The next one is some, some are sicker than others. <laughs> and it's a popular one. This what do you is think, a... Doc? You sounded like oh. you were pretty sick starting fires. Yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, what's up with that? Which, by the way, it really wasn't a fire. Like, I remember you telling me it was barely even, like, it barely even caught a little bit. Maybe it singed the carpet. Oh, Oh. you know, those stories, those stories grow over time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ruin that man's story, Shane. Technically, he started a fire. Um, They do grow, don't they? Oh, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, they really do. I don't, I'm not a fan of this one. I, you know, I don't think it helps the newcomer to hear that mm-hmm. some are sicker than others. Um, you know, in my mind, I'm, I, I had, was just absolutely twisted as far as my thinking, my behavior too. Um, to hear that some are sicker than others, it's kind of uh, almost condescending on, on yeah. some folks that yeah. um, are just trying, trying to give it their shot. And so I'm not, a, I'm going to scrap that one. Nice. Yeah. What do you think, Wayne? Well, I I wonder how the the person that they're referring to would feel about it. It was me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't feel yeah. good about it. Yeah. 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 I was like, yeah, dang, so, I thought we yeah. were all kind of so, like equally equal. trying to do this thing. <laughs> yes. It really wouldn't tie into the first tradition, would it? Right? Mm-hmm. If we're... 
if we're talking about unity and everybody's kind of equal and everybody has a, a vote and we're here to help everybody. I'll and tell then, you how I've used this in the past. Yeah. Is when someone has shared or I hear someone give a talk and it just sounds like crazy insanity. I'm just like, well, some are sicker than others. <laughs> like, oh, it's so passive aggressive, you know? And I haven't done that in a long time, but it was just like when I think back on saying that ever to anyone, I'm just like, God, that's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like bless her heart. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. That is exactly what it is. Yes. Bless her heart. Oh man. Well, I'm sure I've used it. I I'm sure the first several years I was sober, I probably said it. Um it's not a term I would use anymore. I again, it's just I just don't think it's helpful mm-hmm. at all. I'm gonna I would say we scrap it. I think the doc already scrapped it, right? I believe so. Shank, what are you going to say? It's out of here. It's out of here. (laughs) All right. What's What's our last one? Our last one is, you know, when someone is maybe telling their story or what, and they say, you know, well, if I can get sober, anyone can. And it's just like, I Guilty. don't. <laughs> what was your thought process behind that? I don't know. Just because everybody else says it. So I probably said it. Yeah. Yeah. If I can get sober, anyone can. Mm-hmm. It's the height of self-centeredness, isn't it? It, yeah. it really is. Yep. Doc, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. It's, it just screams self, self-centeredness. self You know, again, if you think about the new guy in the room, um, it just doesn't help them. And what does that mean? I'm, they're 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 trying to figure this out, and they hear if I can get sober, anybody can. Like, wait, what? What does that mean? How, how yeah. does that help me? You know? And, and it's just it's just absolute showboat. Um, I got the biggest story here. You know, I, I uh, drank or spilled more than you drank. I know oh. you've heard that one, Shank. Yeah. Um, so I I don't like it. Well, okay, so when I think about this, I do think about the fact that when I first got sober and I heard three speakers, they were all men, and they were in a row at my home group at that time. One of them just spoke. That's why I'm thinking about this at my home group the other night. And he had like a year of sobriety. And just hearing all of the crazy stuff that these guys were talking about and then how they got sober, I thought they had so much time. I thought in my mind, like, if these guys can do it, like, I'm going to be fine. You know, like, I really did think that. Like, here's some examples of people that, you know, wow. Yeah. Wow. And they've been sober, like, a year, so I'm going to be okay. Um, but, but you know. But that was, you, that, that was you thinking yes. it, not them saying it to you. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we would call that hope, I think. Oh, absolutely. I could relate, you know, in a way that a non-alcoholic I could not relate to. So, but yeah, I mean, I hear this a lot and I also hear it in terms of like, people say it to me like, Oh, well, if you can go through all that, then I can just go to jail on the weekends, you know? (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I never thought of it like you just mentioned it, but I, I mean, I did have when those first couple of AA speakers I heard, especially that first guy. That's that is what I was thinking. I'm like, man, that guy, because he was, I thought he was way worse than me, but I'm like, man, that guy can make it. Maybe I can. So I guess it would tie into that, but it wasn't him saying, hey, if I can get sober, anybody can. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, I think uh, I've known you to say that fairly recently. Oh, uh, you probably have. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 I don't think I did. Mm. No, I've said it. I don't think I've said it recently. Uh, Doc, I'll send you a talk from the last two years. I'll find one where Wayne says it. Okay? See if you can find it. I'll, I'll be curious. <laughs> hey, I'll I'll make a direct amends. If, uh, <laughs> If you can, if you can prove it, okay. Yep. Challenge accepted. Yep. All right. Let's see. If it, two years. You can't okay. go back any further than two years. Two years. That's fair. All right. All right. All right. That so, what are we going to do with that one? Well, I would be in favor of uh, scrapping it. Scrap it. It's out of here. <laughs> it's out, Doc. You want to keep it? It's out. All right. All right. Hey, if you're listening, the important thing is to do a fifth step. Yes. That's the main thing. If you want to be free and you want to uh, not go back to drinking, we highly recommend Mm -hmm. working the steps out of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous with a sponsor. So that's, uh, that's what we'll say there. Dr. Drew, it was good to have you on today. One thing to remember it's good to be yep, here. is that we're free. Freedom. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we are members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for AA and we don't get paid. Join us next week for another great episode. Mm -hmm.